0: I'm going to ask that you'll open your Bibles to Numbers chapter number one. And when you find Numbers chapter number one, I'd ask that you'll stand for the reading of God's word. And yes, I would have, some people have asked, and I would have liked to gone to look at some of the church letters again. But Pastor, uh, I didn't have a, 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 as much time as I would like to prepare for that uh, this week. And, uh, and so I was just praying about it. And... uh and usually, if I go and try to look at other things I've done in the past, uh, sometimes I just don't have a piece about it, and that's why I come up with new messages. And like God almost directed me immediately. I like I looked at this one. I saw what I had preached on it before, and God said, "Okay, this is this is where uh, we need to be." And so it, it just it just normally doesn't happen that way. That I'm like in five minutes because God knew my, what my schedule was for the week, and He just like. That's where we want to look at tonight. So I want to look at uh, Numbers chapter number one here. And uh, in Numbers chapter number one, and the Bible says, "And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation, on the first day of the second month, in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying." Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. From 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. And And with you there shall be a man of every tribe every one head of the house of his fathers. And these are the names of the men that, that shall stand with you, of the tribe of Reuben, uh, Eliezer, the son of Shadur, and then we're going to just go through all the tribes there and then different men that are going to take place there of Simeon, then of Judah, and of Issachar, and of Zebulun, of Joseph, of Ephraim, and Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, Gad, and Naphtali, all right? Just so there's chief men that are going to be pointed to this task of numbering, numbering uh, of the people here, okay? So the names, yes, obviously are important to God, but really for the sake of what we're looking at tonight, we want to see here's men that are appointed for a specific task, doing something specific for the Lord. And it says in verse number 16, These were the renowned of the congregation, princes of the tribes of their fathers, heads of thousands in Israel. And Moses and Aaron took these men, which are expressed by, by their names, and they assembled all the congregation together on the first day of the second month, and they declared their pedigrees after their families. By the house of their fathers, according to the number of the names from 20 years old and upward by their poles, as the Lord commanded Moses, so he numbered them in the wilderness of Sinai." And so it's going to go through each tribe, this tribe, Reuben, Dan, and the list goes on that they, the, there were these many men, 20 years and old and upward, that were counted uh, men that would be appointed for the army that they were gathering together here for the war that, that, that was going to take place. They were gathering, then making that count of, of that. Jump down to verse number 44. Verse number 44. Actually, verse. let's go to verse 42. Of the children of Naphtali, throughout their generations, after their family, by the house of their fathers, according to the number of the names, from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war. These that were numbered of them, even the tribe of Naphtali, were 50 and 3,400. These are those that were numbered, which Moses and Aaron numbered, and the princes of Israel being 12 men, each one was for the house of their fathers. So were all those that were numbered of the children of Israel by the house of their fathers from 20 years old and upward, all that were able to go forth to war in Israel. Even all that were numbered were six hundred thousand and three thousand and five hundred and fifty individuals that were, that were counted, and just as a side note, the, Levit, the Levites, they were not counted uh, with, within that group, so um, so we're going to try to look at this portion of, of, of scripture, and uh, Eric, give me a bad time, I'm going to preach through all the Pentateuch, maybe at some, some time doing Leviticus in Sunday school, and, uh, and looking at a portion of scripture uh, like this, and looking through Numbers these Old Testament books are, are just rich, and uh, we, we do a great disservice to what God could do for you in your life if we just say, that's just Old Testament stories, and we treat them like fairy tales, and they're, they're really not. They're divine truth that has application for our lives where we're at right now. All right, let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll be seated. God, I, I'm thankful to be here and to open up the Word of God tonight, and God, every, every part of the Bible is valuable for our instruction and learning, and God, no part should be neglected, God, and clearly even what we're reading tonight, there is a great truth and message, I believe, that you've revealed to us in your word, and so God, I would have, pray and ask that you would open our eyes and open our hearts to what your word says tonight, and God, may we have an open heart to allow your truth to penetrate our lives God, that we will apply it, and God, that we will allow our lives to be changed. Oh, God, may you help, may your spirit of God work within our congregation tonight. And I ask this in Christ's name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Again, I, I know I've, I've heard Brother Chad mention it before and other people, and I've had it happen before, just like one message will build off build off of another message, and really just building almost off of what was here this morning, and I hope you were here this morning, usually on a Sunday night crowd, you probably have a lot of people that were here on Sunday morning, but I was as even sharing with Brother Chad, and and it was good thought, you know, about not, and not quitting. And really this is, an, it answers a question where that thought would create a question, is if I don't if I'm to not quit, then what then am I supposed to be doing then, all right? Because it's a biblical principle. You put off one thing, and you put on something else, and it's, and it's replaced. Because if you don't replace this attitude of quitting, and with the right thing doesn't take its place, what you will do is find yourself back into an attitude and a disposition of wanting to quit and to give up. And that's not where we want to end up. At is in that kind of in that kind of position. So we're really going to really answer that, and I think we'll see that tonight. So I was um, so I found this little little joke, and it was it was it was pretty funny. I'm like, you got lots of jokes tonight, like, apparently. And, uh, and it and it went this way. It said a man was coming out of church one day, and the pastor was standing at the door as he always. Always was to shake hands with the worshipers. As he shook this man's hand, he pulled him aside and said, you really need to join the army of the Lord. The man replied, I'm already in the, already in the, army, Lord, I'm already in the army of the Lord, pastor. So the pastor inquired, and why do I only see you at Christmas and at Easter? Which to the man replied, I'm in the secret service. And a pretty, pretty clever answer there. Why why don't I see you all the time? I'm I'm undercover. I'm in this. I'm in the secret service of the Lord. And it is a funny joke, but I wonder sometimes. uh, Maybe that's where we ourselves end up sometimes in the secret service of, of the Lord. And I'm not. You say, well, I'm I'm faithful to church. I'm here all the time. And uh, you unlock the doors. I'm going to be the person that's there. But really, are we, are we? We may not necessarily be as involved in the army of the Lord as even what that pastor was was trying trying to reveal here. I believe I can safely say that God is not looking for secret service type believers. He is not looking for those that we have to question. What your involvement is in relationship to this thought of the army of the Lord. Or in other words, may I put it this way, that as we are going to see your life as a believer, God views it as as a fight. It is is a warfare. It is a struggle. And by warfare tonight, I think we need to step beyond our narrow thinking... And our many times we hear warfare, we think it's spiritual warfare, and we're we're fighting these evil spirits and these principalities and powers. And I'm not saying that that those things aren't legitimate and real. But what I am talking to you about tonight is there is a fight that goes well beyond that those principalities and those powers. We fight, fight against our own flesh. We fight against temptations. We fight against our own culture. We fight against morality. We fight against making choices of good and evil. We're in a battle. Uh, We're in a fight to have a godly family. We're in a a fight to have a godly marriage. We're in a a fight, if you're a teenager, to to live a pure and holy life that you can represent to be salt and light in this world. We are in a fight all, all the time. And this is what we are, God wants us to talk about because he doesn't want us just to be, well, I'm just secret service and I'm just kind of blending into all of this. And what God is saying to us tonight is this, that fighting is to be a part of our walk and relationship with Christ. Not the fighting that you need to repent of, but the fighting that God approves of. And so when we look at Numbers chapter number, uh, this first part in the book of Numbers, this isn't just filler. This isn't just, well, God just had to say something, and we had to call this book something, so we're going to call it Numbers by, by counting it, by counting people. But in Hebrew, this, they call this the book in the wilderness, or some say that God speaks, or in other words, God's speaking to us in this wilderness. And the wilderness that they found themselves in, that God said, there is going to be war that you are going to have to prepare and ready yourself for. If you are going to enter into the land of promise, the land that I have promised you that would be a land of blessings that you would enjoy them, the only way you're getting to the blessings is you've got to go through the battle. The only way you are going to enjoy this means you're going to have to go through this to get it there. And there's no other way to circumvent that with God, that if you want the blessings, and if you want God's best, then you've got to do the battle to get it. Because God's just, we might sing showers of blessings, but that doesn't mean that God... That just means we want God's blessings. It doesn't mean that God just arbitrarily just pours them out with no effort on your behalf. It's a battle to go from, from where we are at, to receive the blessings that God has for us. So we want, we want to look at what God says here in, in Numbers uh, chapter 1. When we look at this numbering of the of the people here, and God's command to number the, the people, it is a... Um, very significant. Again, it's not just, well, let's just see how many people that we have out here. Let's just see how how good things are, are, are doing. No, this is significant because we need to understand it's God who's counting the people. David in the Bible would count the people and he would do it for all the wrong reasons and cause a whole lot of problems for the nation of Israel. But we're not talking about some some individual in some selfish, prideful way Trying to figure out how many people that they have. This is God Himself who is trying to who is saying, Moses, put the people in order. We're gonna, we're gonna count how many, um, how many people that we that we have here that are 20 years and older of the male population. And the importance of this numbering is further highlighted by the fact that how God went ahead and did this. There was thought and organization into this. That God was saying, you're going to choose a man. You're going to choose a man that's going to be a representative of each and every tribe. That man then is going to go to every family and every household. So it's going to break down by tears. There was a structural organization to all of this. What that tells me is this, is that God is taking this very significantly. That he is trying trying to say to them... We can't afford to miss anybody in all of this. We are going to plan this. It's going to be careful because what we are doing on this day, Moses, is really going to set the table for what we are going to be doing moving forward for the rest of this book and into the land of the land of Canaan. And furthermore, the fact that God is counting, this is the second time that God is counting the people. The first time came back... Uh, and exodus and god had numbered the people and in that case you see it was important to god then and it would lead us it must be important now because the first time that he counted them they were raising money uh to uh to build the tabernacle they would collect shekels of silver for each person that was counted each male that was counted they would use that for sockets to help build the tabernacle I know that's extra information, but the, the reality is, is this, is if God's counting the people, and that this is not just some, well, okay, God's counting the people, no, we need to stop and ask ourselves, and clearly God is putting some emphasis on there. Why should, why should God be so concerned with num- numbering the the people And why even revealing that type of thing and what is, what is he getting at? Because isn't he God Almighty? Can't, doesn't he know everything? Do we really have to count the people, God? Do we really have to do this? And God is saying, yeah, I have a reason for this, Moses. And the purpose of this counting is so abundantly clear that you can't miss it. Verse 3, from 20 years old and upward... All that are able to go forth to war in Israel thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies. You know what they were doing? They were getting ready to go to war. They were getting ready, they were getting ready for a fight. And this theme is is throughout throughout this and throughout all this numbering that is taking place. Look at ver- verse number 20, the last part of it, all that were able to go forth the war. Into verse 22, all that were able to go forth the war. Verse 24, all that were able to f- go forth the war. Verse 26, all that were able to go forth the war. Uh, and uh, verse uh, number 28, all that were able to go forth the war. Verse number 30, all that were able to go forth the war. Verse 32, uh, all that were able to go forth the war, verse 34, all that were able to go forth the war, verse 36, All that were able to go forth the war. verse 38, All that were able to go forth the war. Are you sensing a pattern with God in, in all of this? That God, okay, God, we n- understand why we're counting people, but God continually reminds us over and over and over again, that I am numbering these people here because they are getting ready to go forth. They are going, getting ready to, um, to go into warfare. This expedition out of Egypt to where they're going now, it was not just some field trip for them. This was not, hey, we're going on a camping trip. Let's go camping in the wilderness. That's not what it was it at all. God was telling them, I am, you are getting ready to go forth to war, which is a great change in what was going, what was taking place. See, where Israel find themselves right now is not the most direct path into the land of Canaan. There was a highway. They could have taken the freeway out of Egypt, and they could have ended up in in Canaan in a matter of days. But God said, no, 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 we're not going that way. We're taking the long route. Well, well, God, what are you thinking in taking us the long route? God had told his people, he said, we're going the long way because you're not ready to fight. Because when we get there, and when we get to the land of Canaan, and when we get closer there, there's a whole lot of fighting. And right now, all you've learned how to do is build bricks. And what we need to do is quit building bricks, and we're going to need to build an army. And that's just not going to happen overnight. That we are going to have to then, we're going to have to build ourselves up so we can be prepared for this. Not only are you going to have to switch from being shepherds and herders, but now you are going to have to be a, a cohesive unit that is going to endure battles uh, against an adversary that, that, is, that is very much uh, war-tested. And an adversary that is by their own testimonies, they were grasshoppers in their sight. You see, the land that they were going into and the spies that were sent out later in number reveal just how bad it was going to be. Really, it was. Because it said they saw giants in the land, the son of Anak, which were which come of the giants. And we, in our own sight, as grasshoppers, and so were we in that sight? The scripture has given indication that it's possibly these same giants are the, are the forefathers of uh, Goliath, the family tree of Goliath. So that's what you get to face. You, a bunch of sheep herders and, and cattle ranchers, you get to go fight against men that are twice your size, I I mean, they're carrying around, I don't know how big a weaver's beam is, but it sure sounds real big to me. Sounds a lot bigger than a shepherd's crook. And he said, you can go fight, you can go fight guys like that. And clearly there is a frightfully uh, painful situation to be looking into because when you know the story about David and Goliath, there weren't a whole lot of volunteers saying, I'm going to take on that guy. I think everyone was looking at their neighbor said, you go out there. No, it's your turn to go out there. I mean, you have to take a look at this guy. I'm not going to fight that guy. Hey, let's go get Bobby over there. He's, we can talk him into anything. Not that Bobby, all right, sorry. He's not here to defend himself. I'm like, oh, I saw everyone's looking in their face. I should have made up another name, all right. But anyways, they couldn't talk anybody into it. This is the prospect that they, that they were, that they were uh, looking at. And when you read through there, I mean, they'll come in, later on they'll go to battle against King Og and King Sion, and and the one guy, I mean, he had like a Shaquille O'Neal type bed. I mean, it was huge. I mean, it must have been amazingly big, because that's all you know really about him, other than he was big, he died, and he had a huge bed to go along with it. And this is what they were up against. Now, I think if we're honest with ourselves, we know the whole story. and We know how everything goes. You put yourself in that moment. You don't think they know there's giants in the land? Do you not think that they realize we are woefully inexperienced to take on uh, armies that are experienced, that are bigger, and that are stronger to us? And before we just get all mad at them when, with the spies that were sent in there, I don't know that you and I might not have responded in the same way when we, when we heard that report because it was, it was bad. But God was trying to get them to a point and God was trying to get them to a point to organize them so that this impossible fight would be possible. Now what God was trying to show to them that this is going to require your strength you we are going to organize this thing you are in a fight and you're going to give it your best you are going to put the fullness of your strength at it there's a reason why he chose 20 year olds and and upward I my body responded a whole lot better when I was 20 years old than now at 46 years old like when I get down I have to think about how I'm going to get back up now before I used to never have to do that I could just like spring off the floor, like, no problem. And I'm just like, I'm on this decline. It's just going to get worse or someone's going to have to rescue me one day. But I'm just telling you, the idea between 20 years and older is we're going to take the strongest, most able-bodied, and we are going to put that forth into this warfare against them. We're going to organize you. You're going to step up to the fight, and we're going to put all your strength as a nation behind the battles that are lying in front of you. Now that is, that is clearly what God is teaching here in, in, this, in, this, uh, in this very chapter. And the numbering and the preparing of the people uh, uh, provides a clear lesson for us tonight. Do you understand that God specifically says in his word that the events in the book of Numbers are clearly an example for us to learn truth from? this is not me coming up tonight and like, man, he's just, he just finds meaning in whatever picture that God has in the Bible. The apostle Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 10, he would write these words, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. You, you know what that is? That's called the Exodus. They passed underneath the sea. And it says, And we're all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat that same spiritual meat? And did all drink that spiritual drink? For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. That is this period of time. They were drinking water out of a rock. I'm just merely telling you okay, so there's clearly that God is trying to tell us this something from even this numbering here. Because this is now in that same chapter in verse 11, it said, Now all these things happened unto them for in samples. For they are written for our admonition upon the end of the world are come. So in other words, till Jesus comes again, this is a living example. Last time I checked, he has not come. So this is still an end sample for us to follow for what what God is saying to us here then. So what that God then is saying to us, the numbering of the people for battle points to the fact that, that the Christian walk, is not, it, the Christian walk is not just a walk. It, it, it's a warfare. We we have to understand that. The, the life of a Christian is not a life of passivity where we can just sit back and just let things happen. The life where we can just sit back and I can just be in ease and comfort, that I can just, man, I can just, you know, just go in and do do the bare minimum, or I can just, Well, I can save, I'm saved, and that's okay, and I'm okay with that, and we're just content to live in that little sphere and not moving and doing really anything beyond just being saved. We're content where we are at, and the Bible and what God is trying to tell us is that your life as a believer is not to be one of passivity, that it is one of activity where we're actively fighting and battling, battling in our life. Yes, this it may not be the culturally accepted vernacular of the day, but I'm telling you this as believers,'re we, we, we're, we're we need to yes, love one another, but we are also in, in, in a fight also. that we have to get beyond this fact, well, I don't like to talk use words like that. It sounds so violent, but it is. It, it, it is that kind of force that we need to put into this, that kind of serious. And by that, I'm not talking about physical violence. I I know you understand that. But the type of energy that would have to go into something like that. That God is trying to tell us then that, that if, as I mentioned before, if we are going to have that life that God promises us, that life of prosperity, it's going to take battle. It's like what Pastor was preaching on Wednesday night. You don't get to be fair fair flesh and fatter-looking just by just sitting there and just giving in to what the king wanted you to do. No, there was four boys that decided, I am going to battle against, and I'm going to fight against this indoctrination. I'm going to fight against this idea that I have to eat the king's meat, and we will stand up for God's law. Beans and pulse were God's law. I will follow this diet. I will fight for God, and regardless of what you do, that's what we're going to stand up for, and they were blessed for it. But they got it by battling and making a decision for them. Because I have, I'm not naive to think that there was other people, from other boys their own age, that mocked them and made fun of them for their decision that they made. And they, and they just said, "You, you eat your beef. You eat whatever the king has before us. We're going to enjoy. We're going to enjoy beans, and we're going to see what happens." In, who gets blessed? It was the boys that decided to fight for their walk in relationship with God that they were going to remain pure, honor God with their lives, and they were blessed and they fought for it. And you read nothing about the other boys that were eating any of the other food, do you? I don't know one name of those other boys, do you? But I do know the names of the four that decided we're going to fight. You can kidnap me. You can take me to a foreign land. You can Strip me of my family, you can kill family members, you can butcher other people, but the fact of the matter is, you can't take the fight out of me. I am going to, I understand where I'm at with God, my relationship with him is so much more important than whatever you can offer to me, you can try to change my name, you can try to give me something else, but I'm going to, I'm going to wage war against you. We could say Daniel and his three friends were waging war against Nebuchadnezzar and he didn't even know it because that's what they were doing. You see, the Bible makes it clear in the New Testament your life repeatedly is described as a life of warfare and of fighting. You see, Paul would tell Timothy, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that worth entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. Does that sound like warfare to you? It does sound like God's telling Timothy here, get ready for a fight, my friend. And you've been enlisted. You need to fight. Paul would say this, I see another law of my members warring against the law of my mind. And when you go on, but it's very clear that Paul was in a war. This war was with even his own self. I want to do what, what is the right thing to do, and I'm going to fight for that. Even if I have to fight against my own fleshly desires, I'm going to wage war. Paul would also write, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I don't know about you, that again sounds like Paul's using warfare technology in the spiritual life. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna tear some stuff down. We're gonna take captives. We're showing no mercy, guys. We're in this. No mercy. And then we see in Ephesians where we read about the whole armor of God. You don't put the whole armor of God on because you're going to a costume party. You put the armor of God on because you're in a fight. You put an armor on because, hey, I'm going into this well aware that I have have adversaries. This is going to be a fight. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get myself ready for this. I might take a couple licks in in, in the process of it, but I'm going to get myself ready for it. And if I go down, I'm going down fighting. So we know this. This is what the this is the the Bible makes it very clear that um, that this life of a believer, this life of as a believer, is a one of fighting and battling. See, it's a it's a battle. We're going to battle against the forces of evil, to live pure in a polluted world, to maintain uh, godliness, to may have a te- godly testimony. Remain, we're going to fight to endure and remain faithful. We're going to fight to walk by faith and not be controlled by our fears. We're going to fight to remain content. We're going to fight uh, over the, for the spiritual in relationship to the material. We are going to fight to redeem our time and not waste it we are going to fight to be non-conformist to the world and be conformist to the word of God. We are going to be fighting. And you have to get that through your mind tonight. And you may say, I'm not a violent person. I don't like the way that God describes that. But there's a really awesome word in this chapter, and we probably read it, and probably, I'm guessing most of you probably didn't even realize how important it was. Do you know... They were counting them and and he said, Moses, I want you to count them and do this and do this. And I want you to reckon them or count them by their pedigree. That's a really amazing word. Pedigree means you were born into this, boys. And you're going to count those that were born into this. You're going to fight. In other words, he didn't say, well, Moses, if these guys don't want to do that, that's fine. We'll go count somebody else. He said, no, everybody that has the pedigree that they're born into the lineage of the family of Abraham, of his seed, every single one who has that pedigree, 20 years and older, you are in this struggle. You are in this fight. And that is an illustration of the fact this, this fighting in your life, whether you're going to experience the blessings of God or not, whether you're going to prosper or not, Is not optional. When you got saved, whether you read the fine print or not, when you got saved, you were enlisted to fight. And by pedigree, by birth, you are now in a fight. Well, well, maybe I would have reconsidered some things if I would have thought that through. Did not Christ warn us that we must count the cost of discipleship? Which man goes to war and does not... Think about, man, do I have enough resources to go ahead and do this? Because discipleship requires more than just repenting and put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's salvation. Discipleship is a lifelong process where you imitate the teacher you're following who is Jesus Christ. That's, there's a big difference between discipleship and salvation. And I want you to get that. And when we're living a life of discipleship, you, your pedigree says, okay, then you're going to fight. Well, I don't want to. It's not a choice. You you are you you are you are in it or not? I, as I was I was uh, as I was uh, thinking about this, and sometimes when I go through messages, different songs I pop into my head, and one of them I can think of is I remember being newly saved and listening uh, to some old preachers, and one of them was Lester Roloff, and uh, it was just awesome because. In that lesser roll-off, he had his roll-off homes, and he was fighting against the state to try to close it down, and he had his girls' choir there. You can go look it up on YouTube, and it's, it's amazing, because it says he would sing this song, I've come here to stay. Now, that song is amazing, but when you know the man's testimony who was singing it, it wasn't words on a page. It was a testimony of his life. And it said, then that song, run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. Now, when I fall down, I'm going to try to get up because I didn't start out to play. It's a battlefield, brother, not a recreation room. It's a fight and not a game. Run if you want to, run if you will, but I came here to stay. Let's roll off what he's trying to say to this. He said, I'm not moving anywhere. This is not a game. And you can run if you want to, but I'm going to stay here and fight. I think all too often we are scared of getting into a, a good fight. Sometimes it's all right to get into a good fight as long as it's the right fight to get into. And you know what? This is not a—this this life of a Christianity, I, I love all the blessings and everything that we sing and all the great truths of the Bible— but it's, it's not a, some kind of parlor game that you're playing in your back room with your kids. This is actually a fight. And if we are going to then be what Christ wants us to do in this world, then we're going to have to fight for it. You want to be a, a, a husband that has a wife that you can love and support, then you know what you're going to have to do? you're going to have to fight for that. You're going to have to do things that will please your wife. She may want quality time like we saw this morning, and you're just going to have to give her quality time. As a wife, you want a husband that's going to, that's going to be there for you, that's going to walk that extra mile, then you're going to have to fight for it. To develop that kind of spirit that the Bible talks about, there, that kind of spirit that you win your husband's heart, that he would wall- run through walls for you. It's going to take fighting. You're going to remain pure in this world, and I think, especially about these young boys, and I, and I and I think about all the flesh that's thrown at you on your phone, and all the advertisements that come on there, and all the marketing. It is all pulling you to a life of impurity, and if you're going to remain pure, you're going to have to fight against that stuff. It's everywhere. It's on the billboard. I remember going to Bible college and you didn't have to turn away because there was a big billboard uh, off the interstate there. But it's going to require fighting and purity. Girls, the same thing with you. That boy who wants to get close to you, you've you got to be careful about that. That boy that wants to text you all the time, well, he's just my friend. Hey, that's how things innocently start. But when I when I'm when you're battling for purity, you're gonna set standards. I'm going to save myself for that man that God clearly shows. And you need to guard yourself against that. And even the things that are on the internet, it's not just for the boys, because the world portrays you what a guy should look like and the Bible gives a whole different picture and if you're not careful, you will sacrifice yourself to that which is a substandard that God never approved of in your life. And if you're going to want to have that dream dream boat guy, that one that you're going to just, that you can ride off into the sunset, you're going to have to fight for it. And you're going to have to fight to be pure for it. If you want to I have a testimony for Christ, you say, I really want, I really want my life to be a witness for other people. I want to see other people get saved. I'm gonna tell you this, then it's gonna be a fight. You're gonna to have to make choices and decisions. Like what uh Uh, Brother Samuel's grandfather preached about You're going to have to make choices that aren't going to take away your saltiness out of your life, that you're going to have to be a distinct individual so that when the time comes, you don't go walking to your own family members and they mock you because your testimony has been so weak because you never fought for it. Or when you go and tell your kids and they've gotten in trouble and you try to tell them, you know what, God's going to make everything all right, and they're going to be like, where was God in our home all those years that we were growing up? I'm telling you, it's just a fight. You're you're going to have to fight. If you want to have a a personal walk with God, because that's where it all begins, a personal walk with God, you're going to have to fight for it. I, I mean, so what happens if you have to get five hours of sleep sometimes. Well, pastor said to get seven hours of sleep. Well, that is optimal. But some weeks are just so chaotic that I, that, that flies out the window sometimes for me. I try to do this seven-hour thing. It doesn't always work. But you know what? If that means I got to get up two hours earlier for work so I can spend time with God and his word, that's what I do. Hey, I'm just telling you, there's things to, to fight about. I'm going to tell you from my own testimony, just to maybe be an encouragement, that we went to the men's advance in Stillwater and working on making changes. And you know what? I get up two hours before, I, and really sometimes three hours before I need to go to work. Do you know what the first hour is? My personal devotions. And you can ask my wife, guess what happens at 7 o'clock? Or 7.05. <laughs> sometimes 7.10. <laughs> but it happens. We get up. And we read our Bible together. And we talk about some things. Pray about some things together. And sometimes I'm like, i got to go to work. And our half-hour devotions turns into 45 minutes to an hour. And I'm like, i got to get moving. But I'm just telling you this. I've decided in my own life, my marital relationship requires me to put more time and energy into this. And if I want that that marriage in my life, I'm going to have to fight for it. See, if you want God's blessings, and God said he promises us to prosper, then you're going to have to do the fighting to go along with it. And whether that is having you to sit there and go, I don't think I can use my phone very much anymore. I, I'm sorry, that's my big hobby horse right now, because it, that thing is so, so destructive in our lives. Because not only is there immoral and impure things on there, it wastes your time. And then you wonder why God can't get a hold of you. And you wonder why you can't focus when you read the word of God anymore. Because the, the words in the Bible don't go at a thousand frames per second. That it actually requires you to stop. And engage your brain and think and meditate upon it. I mean, it's a personal crusade, I think, against all this entertainment out there and all this, fun because it's warring against you. And I think there's a lot of areas in our life, yeah, we're fighting against that, we're putting standards up here, but then we, we allow little different adversaries into our home. Hey, Song of Solomon wrote this, there's, there's good in there, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. So those little battles that were like, "Hey, that one's just a small skirmish over there. I'm not going to worry about fighting that one, and it's usually those are the ones that are stopping you from getting the blessings. That's true. You see God is is trying to get us to understand that we, we we're in a fight, and um so when I think about this and that God is being in a, in a, in a fight, it can be kind of scary. <laughs> Man, we're, we're up against a lot. And, and it reminded, reminded me, just recently watched a very spiritual movie with my kids. It's called Ernest Saves. Ernest Goes to Camp. What a quality movie, all right? And the best line of it is, in this movie, Ernest has this snapping turtle, and it gets on his nose, and they have to sing it to make it fall asleep so it comes off. But later on in the big fight scene at the end to try to save the camp and all that, They get all these turtles together. They're going to be the paratroopers for Ernest. And they got little little parachutes on them. They're going to drop and they'll bite people and all this. But at the beginning of it, and it's just like out of the blue, they switch the scenes just for a second or two. And this one little turtle in this high-pitched voice goes, I'm scared, Sarge. And the other turtle goes, we're all scared, son. And I really, I think that's kind of where we're at. I'm scared, God. And God's like, they're all scared, son. We're all scared. There are legitimate things that are fearful and frightening. Facing an adversary, and, and, and the things that we gotta go against, and the things that we're up against. But it is frightening, but when you look at this, this gives us all the encouragement that we need to wage war and to fight. I don't see that in that text. It's just a bunch of people counting people. Okay, I want you to think about this. The power of God's word is, is very powerfully displayed here. You know how many people in Exodus chapter 1 went down into Egypt? Seventy-some souls. That's what the Bible says, 70-some souls. I don't know where we're at in Numbers chapter number 1. Minimum, over 605,000 men, 20 years old and older. Some, if you go by the Levitical law, it's probably up to 60 years old. So you have a group of men 60 years old and older and then people 60 years old and older and then below that. In other words, conservative estimate, 2 million people. 70 to 2 million. How do we get to that point? Did not God promise Abraham, you will go down into Egypt. You will be there for an extended period of time, but I will make of you a great nation. We're 70 people. Yeah, or at that point... It was a lot smaller than that. And he's just like, hey, great people? Okay. And they became a great people. God's word was fulfilled. Do you know the Bible says that that God has given us unto everything that pertains unto life and godliness, that whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises? In other words, that we are warfare is we find its strength in his word. You want to fight? You want to go from in the battle to having the blessings? Then you need to be in his word. His word will provide absolutely everything you need. It's every single answer that, that you need. And then I also look at this, is that God's word will provide you what you need, but God will also, his, he will personally his own personal provision, he will take care of you in all of this. You get in the fight, God will take care of you. Because you say, well, how do you get to that point? You ever notice that there wasn't a whole lot of grocery stores for this group to stop and get something to eat? No, this is silly, where are you going? They were crying to God for meat and water, and God gave them exactly what they needed. And needed. Nobody was dying out there under God's hand. It was God keeping everybody alive. Do you know what? It's God who's going to sustain you through this fight. If we just rest on, on what, I'm just going to grit down and bear it. It's all going to be about me. It's going to be all about disaster is what it's going to be about. But when we're resting and relying on his power and his provision for our lives. Then I'm going to tell you this, whatever we battle and face, whether it's in my, whether I'm a teenager, uh, whether you're a husband or wife, wherever you find yourself, then you're going to be able to find yourself. There's power and provision for you to be able to do this. And then I know this, in this same group of people, they had God's protection. Yeah, there's a pillar of cloud by day. You're going to see that. And a pillar of fire by night. The cloud didn't just provide them a buffer zone, but it also provided them shade walking in the heat of the day. Yeah. How many of you like to have, Some kids like to have night lights on, you know? I think that probably offered them some comfort to have that pillar of fire. They could look out there on the, on the night sky there and go, there's God. He is with us the whole time, and he's watching over us, and he's caring for us. You know, it can be scary to be in that battle. I, I'm, I'm going to be overcome by this man if I do this I'm going to lose my job and these friends are going to leave me I'm going to have to make drastic choices in my life don't be afraid because there is a God who is watching over you That's right. That's right. who is going to provide and give you exactly what you need I want to read a couple verses here as we have some clothing clothing closing thoughts if I can say it that in these verses and and just coupled together because there's really a good truth here. In Deuteronomy it says, and she shall say unto them, Hear, O Israel, you approach this day in a battle against your enemies. Let not your hearts faint. Fear not and do not tremble, neither be ye terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is he that goeth with you to fight for you against, against your enemies to save you. Now listen, this is really good. I will, and this is in Exodus, I will send my fear before thee. And I will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. This is the instructions and the message that was given to this people that was being counted here. And I will make all thine enemies turn their back unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. But this is what I want you to listen to. I will not drive them out from before thee in one year. What? What? I will not drive them out before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Do you know what God's just saying? We're not going full nuclear. It's not this fight we find ourselves in, it isn't full nuclear. Like we're just going to wipe the battlefield and everything is just. But God said this, these blessings over there that you want, it's going to take battle, but it's going to take bit by bit by bit to get there. Start tonight making tangible choices in your life. The things that you are fighting and battling with in your life, don't sit there and go, I want the perfect marriage and you're trying to gobble it all up like this. What tangible little step over here can you bring? Is it just driving to McDonald's with your wife and buying her a cup of coffee? That's so ridiculous. Is it a little step? Is it just sitting down with your, with your kids and one-on-one and just talking to them for a couple minutes? Just a little bit to get where you want your family to be at. Yes. I mean, is it, is it at work, the testimony you need to be there? I'm going to be there, I'm going to show up five minutes later. Or maybe I'm not going to be the guy that's always watching the clock and has to have my break and always have to have it. Maybe I'll even sacrifice some breaks to do extra for my boss. Because I'm trying to have a testimony for Christ because I work as under the Lord not under my boss. But but little steps. What little steps? And maybe right now your devotion life just stinks. You're not even having it. And I'm just telling you this. I don't care if it's, you get our daily bread on your, on your phone and you might say, well, that's the cheesiest devotional book. But I'm not talking about trying to get all the way up the mountain. I'm saying take five minutes and read a cheesy devotion then. Get your King James Bible out read five minutes, pray for five minutes, and move on your day. Well, that's only ten minutes. I don't think God's really concerned with you that you went for twelve hours. He's just like, can I have a little bit? A a little bit. Do you know what I'm talking about? In your life, where are you battling at? Are you battling for areas of purity in your life? And it may be what one little thing can I do? Does it mean guys that we just decide we're just not going to have YouTube anymore on my phone. I'm just going to shut that thing down because it's not that I'm watching bad videos, but what the message that they're saying to me is bad. And all those thumbnails I just keep playing and I just slowly scroll and let them play. I understand how this thing, these things work. And I'm just telling you this, maybe it's just small little steps right now. Parents, it may be small little step that you... Tonight you decide to go home and get a monitoring app for all your kids' phone and control the amount of time that they have on their phone. That's just so demeaning to them. We're not talking about about demeaning. We're talking about being in a battle and that we want pure kids that are going to grow up and live right and do right and that we want a godly family, and that includes everybody. Parents making small steps to be involved in the lives of their family. That's what we're talking about. Bit by bit by bit, we can get here. So let's not try to take off huge chunks tonight. What little bit can I start here to get me over to this spot right here? And maybe tonight's the night you just come down and say, God, you know what? I don't want to be a quitter. And so this little step I'm going to make right now, this is my start tonight. I've just been kind of just playing, well, just let what be will be. And I realize, God, that that's not the right philosophy. You have called me to fight. And all I've done is just been passive in this whole thing. And it's time that I get out there and I do something for you right now. Here's my choice today, God. And I would encourage you when we have this altar call here. If God's telling you, here's a little choice I can make, here's where I'm struggling at, here's a little choice. I'm not asking for you to make life-altering choices in the sense of something huge and monumental, but what little thing do you have in your life that you can say, I can start now. I will start with this because I want to get there. And that's where God wants to take us at tonight. All right, let's go ahead and stand and we're.